Hey everyone, Chewy here, host of Screaming Chewy Show. And hey, this amazing, uplifting podcast you're currently listening to is Beautiful Feet. So don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and review. This episode of the Beautiful Feet podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary of My Solitude, a published book of poetry by me, Anthony Giesick. You can pick up your copy at beautifulfeetentertainment.com at iUniverse.com and Amazon.com. This is the Beautiful Feet Podcast. A partnership with BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. My name is Anthony. And I'm Jessica. And this week, um, we got something pretty special. It's a, how would you say it? Uh, um, it's part one of a three-part podcast series. It's a little mini-series that we have put together because over the summer, as you know, we had a lot more time at home. So I had a lot what? more a lot more time to just study and think about things. And so I was thinking about the rapper Eminem and the ballet dancer Nerea. And you, I guess you started to see, like, a bunch of similarities? Yes. Okay, so most people know that Eminem is the rapper Marshall Mathers III. Yes. <laughs> so I don't really need to clarify who he is. He's, you know, just, yeah. If you don't know who Eminem is, I... I don't know where you've been for the last 20 years, because... Google it, look it up on YouTube, you'll... Like, even if yeah. you don't like hip-hop or rap music, you know who Eminem is. Like, my aunt knew who Eminem was. Anyway, continue. But, uh, for Rudolf Nureyev, people of a certain generation might know who he is when he kind of made a splash in the 60s. Cause yeah, he, splash. He, you, you always say you get to jump into things. I want to make a splash. So, anyway... Um, in the 1960s, he defected from the Soviet Union to the West, and so he was a principal dancer with the Kirov Ballet Company, and I was looking at their lives and their stories, and this was prompted by the biopic about Rudolf Nureyev called The White Crow. Um, again really good movie about his defection to the West and things leading up to that. So I just began to, like he said, see these similarities between their life stories. And what we're going to do now is we're actually going to go through, uh, this is basically an introduction, right? Yes. So we're going to introduce some of those similarities and I guess briefly talk about them. Alright, so as I was going through just thinking about, like, comparing these two gentlemen, these titans of their fields, I came up with ten different, like, talking points. Um, so the first thing that really stuck out to me about both gentlemen was that they used their art to escape poverty. Like, that is going to be a big component of the mini-series that we have. Uh, they were young when stardom struck, so that's two. Three is, in regards to interviews, they are notoriously private. Four is they've had strained relationships with their dads. Five. Strained, right? Strained. Strained. Okay, yes, not, not strange. strange. Strained. 
Five is they would have what I would classify as volatile or explosive tempers at times. Six, they were considered geniuses. Seven, they've become international superstars. Eight, they've made TV appearances like on talk shows and things. Nine, they've starred in movies. And last but not least, ten, they have both enhanced their field. Yeah. So, those are the basic, like, categories, right? But what you also did is you wrote, like, a mini-report, right? I did. I did. So, I, w- I won't read the whole thing, but I'll just get some bullet points from that. This is what she does when she's left to her own devices. I... She makes lists <laughs> and writes reports. I have always given myself, like, independent study work or homework to do my brain is just like yes let's learn things like i kick butt on jeopardy you guys she does i barely understand the question she knows the answer it's 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 horrible because i've always loved to learn and now that i am not in school currently hopefully will be in the future tomorrow (laughs) because i would like to work on getting my master's degree but that's a whole nother podcast for a whole nother day yes so let's go back to the essay that you wrote Okay, so let's see. Um, well, you always kind of start with when people were born. We know Nureyev was born in the late 1930s, and he died in the early 1990s. Um, and obviously the world went through a lot of changes during that time. But one of his quotes that I will paraphrase says, As long as my dances or ballets are performed, I shall live on. Um, obviously, Eminem is still thankfully with us and we know that he has risen to the pinnacle of the world of rap and hip-hop so i went into a little bit like of the origins of ballet because it's actually a court dance from the 15th and 16th century from italy and france and hip-hop just like includes music styles of dress Graffiti art, break dancing, and certain, I wrote, geographical loyalties. Would you like to explain that in layman's terms? If I knew what it meant. No. <laughs> um, so basically, where you're very proud of where you come from, whether that be from California, New York. Um, I know Georgia has a bit of a hip-hop element to it. Um, and even different countries. So it's where... where it's being prideful, or having pride, I should say, of where you come from. So and, uh, oh, go ahead. I just talked about the fact that as a rapper, what Eminem does is he's combining words with underlying beats, and so that his, when he's performing, he's a recording artist, so people are really going to be listening to his music, even though they can also watch him perform. But as a ballet dancer, Nureyev would have to combine choreography with costumes, music, and acting ability. And that because ballet is a performing art, it's predominantly visual. So his audience would have watched him Mm -hmm. dance on stage. And that that obviously is a difference, right? They both are performing arts, different ways of performing. Um, and then I talked a little bit about their um, education, and I love the fact that Eminem read frequently from the dictionary when he was younger. I just think that's great. Um, 
do you know why he read from the dictionary? I just thought it was to help him, like, with his vocabulary and just grasping English. Basically, he wanted to have, and you're right, he, he wanted a, a wide range of vocabulary to put into his music. That's, that's basically it. And um, in learning to dance, like, Nureyev was a young boy, and he went to a dance school, but I know also that they would have taught him initially, like, more folk dancing as opposed to, okay, here's ballet training. Um, and we talked about how Eminem was, like, initially nervous to perform, and just the concept of a rap battle and all that that entails. Mm-hmm. So... For me, like, in trying to understand what a rap battle was, because I had never even really heard of one before, (laughs) I was like, okay, so each person is given the opportunity to say a few verses, and then their opponent has to respond, and then the audience reaction determines who the winner's going to be and who's going to move on to the next rap. You've basically got two people. One uses their lyrics to make fun of the other, the other person would um, retaliate by making fun of the original opponent, and usually it's the audience who decides who wins and loses. Um, because Anthony and I had very different upbringings, I had to learn a lot about the world of rap and hip-hop. Yeah, you did. Coming into our relationship. Um, But my mom was so funny. We had a book of Tupac's poetry out. I think it was in February because that's like... Black History Month. Well, and we were reading poetry too. And do you remember how she described Tupac? I I know it's something to do with... She was very excited to read it. And she's like, oh, he must be classical hip-hop. Yeah. What? Oh my god. (laughs) He's like, she said classically trained hip-hop or something. Yeah. My mom was a music teacher, so her world is the world of performing arts with a capital A, so she's very into classical music and the theater and the ballet and the opera and just... And unfortunately, if you don't fit in that bubble of what she deems to be the arts, you're the bane of existence. Although, like, she is getting better, but I just feel like God has a very ironic sense of humor that her son-in-law would be someone who loves rap and hip-hop so much. Because she was wildly against it. Yes. Anyway, digress. Let's move back. (laughs) Um, I talked about the fact that um, I feel like both Eminem and Arayef have, like, the it factor. Like, you either have it or you don't. They just have this mesmerizing, charismatic talent, like this presence when they're on stage. Like, you just can't help but be glued to, like, okay, they are performing now. Yeah. I've never got to see Eminem perform, but I've definitely watched YouTube videos, and I'm like, dude knows how to perform. It's pretty great. Well, and we also looked at the fact that both of these fields are going to have many people who are what we think of as star quality. Um, So I didn't know if you wanted to talk a little bit about some stars of hip-hop, because honestly the only two I wrote down were Tupac and Nas, because again, I'm still learning about this world. 
And it's now it's with the S, not a Z. Anyway, so, <laughs> um, so some of the heavyweights of hip hop. Um, going back, you had Run DMC. Um, you had LL Cool J back in the eighties. Um, then as you move forward, you have like Wu Tang Clan was a big one. They were actually a group uh, from New York, from I think the Five Boroughs of New York, all coming together. Um, there was like nine of them. It was pretty crazy. Then you had like Nas, like she said, Biggie, Tupac, um, Jay-Z, who's married to Beyonce. If you know who that is, come on, you better. Um, and it just it just kind of goes from there. So then you have more underground dudes like Talib Kweli, who's one of my favorites. Um, you've got Mos Def, who has partnered with Talib Kweli. Anyway, like... Those are some of the, in my opinion, the big names of hip-hop. And in the ballet world, the names that I thought of were Anna Pavlovna, Nijinsky, Mikhail Baryshnikov. Like, they stand out. Baryshnikov is the name that I feel like most people might be more familiar with because they would know him from Sex and the City. He played uh, Carrie Bradshaw's love interest, Mr. Big, I do believe. I Never mind. Um... <laughs> And I want you to notice the difference between my stars' names, which are usually made up and given to them as a you know as an early performer, and your stars' names, which is actually their birth name that I yeah. can't even pronounce most of them. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Nijinsky was a star of the Ballet Russe, which traveled around in like the 1910s and 1920s, um, 1910s more accurately. Um, and he was just like the first of these great male ballet dancers. Unfortunately, in his personal life, he he kind of suffered a breakdown and had to go to an institution and died an early death. So that's just really sad. Um, but he kept some wonderful diaries during that time. So it really is this peek into what was going on in his mind. Um, and Anna Pavlova, like, she was told as a child that she was really going to be too small and too frail to perform these uh, works that she had just aspired to. And um, she went on to have this amazing career in dance. Like, I just, I just love the ballet world so much. I love the fact that at the New York City Public Library, they actually have the Jerome Robbins, like, dance area so they have you know ballet shoes from famous people and just all these different archive things and i would love to just go visit there so 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 let me ask you this how come every time you mention like the 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 new york public (laughs) library you say it with like the new york public library i just love the new york city public library so much like I'm a super fan, even though we don't... Like, she puts exclamation (laughs) points around it, like, yeah! Even though we don't live in New York City, we live very far away from New York City. Other side of the country, far away. Like, I've been to upstate New York before, but I've never even been to New York City. I don't know, I just just love the library. And this is why we can't live... In New York City, because I would never see her. She would live in the library. No, nope, she would hide I in the basement. Would be hanging out with Patience of Fortitude, which are the names of the lions in front of the Fifth Avenue branch of the library. I, I 
I had a thought. It totally went away. <laughs> Go ahead and continue, please. Okay, so getting back to our little report here. Um, talking about stardom, I was like, so what does it do? Like, how did it help these individuals? And for Nureyev, it literally gave him a new life because he was born into Stalinist Russia, so yeah. he was living in what we would think of now as Soviet Russia, so he was very much monitored because he was their talent and they really just controlled how he was going to live his life because their rationale was like, okay, well, you have been educated by the state and because the state has paid for your training, then we want you to dance in a certain area. And he was like, no, I want to have more artistic freedom. So there you go. Um, and for Eminem, stardom was what allowed him to break free from the uh, poverty that he was living in. And now he's able to live comfortably in Detroit, Michigan. Comfortably would be an understatement. <laughs> that dude's got a mansion. Which, I mean, he, you know what? Cool. I'm glad, actually. It's pretty cool. And then I, I just kind of went into a little bit more of the history of hip-hop and how it began and just like the civil rights movement was going on during this time. So you have this desire for self-expression among young people who are really just hungry to find their voice. And um, yeah, so that's... There's that. <laughs> um... So I literally started out with like a, a tiny, oh my god, sorry, our cat is going to slam the door. <laughs> we'll, we'll share that story in a minute, continue. I started out with this little slip of paper, and it just has my 10 bullet points that we listed earlier. And then I wrote out each of the bullet points onto a larger piece of paper, and so I started looking for quotes, and I have all these different articles that I read online. And then after that, I came, actually... Came the essay. Yeah, the essay, the first draft. This is what she does when left to home. I mean, at least it's, it's productive. I'll give you that. Well, like, I'm not a video game person. I just don't see the point of spending hours of your life looking for, like, little jewels or whatever. I don't even know. <laughs> um, for all you video game people out there who are now yelling at your, you know... At the podcast, she hasn't played actual video games in a long time. I don't have a lot of hand-eye coordination, so it like I feel like I would be just so frustrated with the format that I would not be able to enjoy it. Yeah. Anyway, so we went through your 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 report, your power not PowerPoint, <laughs> your bullet points. Um, is there anything else you wanted to jump into? Well, as you say, what, what did you say? I want to make a splash. Splash. That's what I want. So I jump in and you splash. There we go. <laughs> but either way, we're around a pool somewhere out here in the southwest. Um, Is that where we live? Anyway. So I just... I think it was just interesting that these people were living at two completely different moments in history... But for, like, Eminem, he was only, what, 25 when the Slim Shady, like, the EP came out? Maybe 27? LP. So, for the he was LP. most likely, I think he was around age 26, 27. So, this is like being under 30 and having 
pretty much everyone know your name? Well, and you have to understand, he literally came from, like, nobody knowing who he was. Yeah. To the next year, every single person knew who he was. And I feel like the fact that, again, they just didn't really have that relationship with their dads might have led to this fact of, okay, like, I don't have that paternal attention at home. I'm going to look for it somewhere else. Yeah, I would say there's some truth there. Um, I can't, again, I can't speak on it personally because I'm not Eminem. Well, and, like, for having a temper, if you listen to Eminem's lyrics, there are times where he is just what we would think of as, like, it's completely inappropriate. Yeah, we're not going to get into that too much. I mean... But I feel like if you take the time to, to sit and maybe just watch some interviews with him... So, He's a very eloquent and well-mannered young person. And I sound super old right now. <laughs> so here's the thing. Like, if you listen to his lyrics, at surface level, you're like, oh, he's very bitter. He's very angry. He's, he's, yeah, bad for kids, whatever. Like you said, if you watch him in an interview, he's actually really soft-spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because I don't think he likes being in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. So he does, he 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 does interviews, but he doesn't he doesn't like all the glitz and the glam and the cameras and all that. Based on what I've understood, um, and he is, and it's funny because another thing you'll notice in his lyrics, um, he has a history of speaking badly about women. Now. Do you want to also talk about his relationship with Elton John as well? We'll get into that. This is a three-part series. We get into that. So, he speaks badly about women. But, or it seems like he does with his lyrics, right? But if you speak, if you look at his interviews or look at the people who he's worked with, he's worked with uh, Nicki Minaj, Rihanna. He's worked with um, Skylar Grey. He's worked with a multitude of women who've all really been interviewed about, oh, tell me about Eminem, how, how is he in the studio? And all of them say he's like the nicest person, he's really, really polite, he's really, um, you know, just nice to them and really respectful. So, it's, it's not that he's living two different lives, he's just the way he's expressing himself through his music and his actual personality. Um, they, they seem to be different, but they're really not. I had to step away for a moment because, as I said earlier, our little cat, literally, like, when she is upset, she will be a teenager and slam the door on us. Yeah. Of course, it doesn't actually slam because she doesn't have the the strength to slam it, but... The intentionality is there. Yeah. And she was just mad because some of her kibble was on the floor next to her dish and not in the bowl. Most likely, she knocked it over, though, right? Like, yeah. Anyway... Moving on. This is not a podcast about cats. <laughs> All as much as people would probably love a podcast about cats. Yeah, if we did bonus episodes about our cats. No, I think we could just do a podcast <laughs> strictly about our cats and people would listen. But I'm not doing that. Um, so yeah, I just, for those of you who might not know me, ballet is like my happy place. I love the fact that in classical ballet, 
you have the ability to just tell these intricately beautiful stories without using words but as Anthony can tell you, unless you know the story, you're not going to know what's going on. Yeah. Like, when I took him to Swan Lake, he was like, I don't get it. She had to lay the story out for me in detail before it started. Because we did. I we, had we, no uh, idea. We took some time in the... Foyer? Yeah. In the, well, you, the I was, lobby? I was going to say lobby, but I like foyer. We took some time and I just it's went... It's ballet. It's got to be fancy. I just went over the program with him of like, here's what you're going to see and here's the story because I know what happens, but I realized for him it's just like, okay, I have no it's, idea. It's people dancing very eloquently and very beautifully, but I'm like, what story is this trying to tell me? Anyway, do is there any more that we need to add before we jump to commercial? I feel like this was a great introductory episode, and keep on listening to hear more about Eminem and RAF. And if you have not already, please tell your friends about the podcast. Please subscribe. Please find us on Instagram and Twitter at BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com as well. Just get the word out so that way we can hear from you and just continue to grow our community. Which reminds me, do you think that we're going to have more guest artists appearing in 2021? Well, as far as interviews? As I far as interviews. I hope so. I'm definitely going to try to line up some interviews. Because um, I do have, you know, a circle of podcasters who I haven't interviewed yet. I haven't had them on the show just because things got crazy and schedules got mixed up. Um, so I'm going to try to do that in 2021, not 2020. Um... So that is something for you to be looking forward to in the new year, everyone. Yes. But right now, we're going to jump to a quick break. We'll be right back with Romans chapter 14. Inspired by hip-hop and the faith culture, the sanctuary in my solitude, the thoughts, feelings, and life lessons of an imperfect Christian by Anthony Kiesick is BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com's work in print. It is a book of poetry. And it's available through iUniverse.com, Amazon.com, BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. And the links are also available in our social media and podcast. So please consider The Sanctuary of My Solitude if you're looking for a next great read. Thank you so much. Welcome back to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. This is the portion of the podcast where we go ahead and jump into scripture. We're getting ready to jump into Romans 14, but before we do, Jessica, would you mind giving us the recap for Romans 13? Alrighty, here we go. Romans chapter 13, Paul talks to us about having submission to the government authorities. Um, so basically just being obedient to people who are in power as long as you know that they're doing what's right. Um, and he also talks about the fact that that's why it's important for us to pay taxes, because it's supporting the, uh, the government with that. Um, he talks about the fact that love is the way to fulfill the law. You know, the importance of loving your neighbor as yourself. And I like how he says in verse 10, love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And then he's also, toward the end of the chapter, talking about, his, like my Bible says, the day is near. So we think of that as the second coming 
of Jesus Christ. And that's, um, he, uh, he just outlines, hey, here's some behavior that we feel like you should avoid because it would be not representative of your faith in Jesus Christ for you to act in these ways. So chapter 14, we're going to be talking about the weak and the strong. And what I like about what we're about to jump into with Acts, uh, Acts 14, sorry, Romans 14, uh, it's, the, it's, it's this great idea of judgment and, and, and the lifestyle that God has given one person as opposed to another. So let's talk about that. Well, and Paul uses food as an example here. He talks about the fact that there are some people who are going to be eating meat and some people who are going to eat only vegetables and that you need to be able to treat them both the same because God has accepted them in the way that they are. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is, is like, um, historically speaking, and I'm going to let you speak on this a little more, but uh, the, the Jewish culture was we don't eat certain meats, especially, you know, or we don't eat certain animal, um, and here's why. And it was really heavy within their culture of, you know, of following those traditions. But what God is doing at this point, he's saying, you know what, I'm now reaching out to both the Jewish nation and um, the Gentiles. And, and I'm basically making them one faith, one family of faith. Um, and I'm accepting them through the sacrifice of Jesus. So the, the food that they eat and these different things, that's no longer an issue. So, um, like he was saying, for the Jewish people, they have a lot of laws that govern their behavior and how they live their life. And a part of that is certain dietary restrictions. And those are still followed by um, some Jewish communities today. That's why... You see things and it will say that this is kosher, which means that it has been um, blessed by... Rabbi? There we go. Sorry, it's really early in the morning here for us as we're recording this. So, yes, there are people who still keep those dietary um, things in their homes because that is just how they live their lives. And Paul is... Um, Paul talks about... The difference between people who eat vegetables and meat and then one of the things that he says is there's people who regard one day as special and then there's people who think that every day is alike and I feel like that's a reference to the Sabbath or yeah. like a Sunday or the day that we take off to rest and worship well and, and again that's a that's a that's a great thing to do is if you have a day where you're like I need a day of rest I need to take a break. That's great. Um, but at the same time, like, I know many people who, like, I don't necessarily take a full day off. But what I'll do is I'll take periods of the day. So, like, lunch. Or I'll take a time of the day where it's just me having that break. That's still... God still honors that choice. Um, and I love this because it allows for everybody to really have that personal connection with God. Um, and that through that, the, that God will like put something on your heart and say, you know what, here's how I want you to honor me. I want you to honor me with this type of food, with this um, weekly schedule, with 
this way of, of even the way we dress or the way we act. And what what Paul's asking us to do is whatever God gives you, you cannot oppose that. You cannot press that onto somebody else because they're going to have a different relationship with God where God goes, you know what, it's, di- it's, sl- it's different for them for whatever reason. It could be cultural. It could be um, dietary. You know, some people can't, uh, some people need to eat certain types of meat and things like that because of their health issues, right? Like, so they can't cut out meat because they have dietary issues, they can't. So I really, I really like this because it allows for the scripture and your relationship with God to really be your relationship with God. Well, and too, also, Paul continues the chapter by talking about the fact that we are to accept people as they are and not to judge them because we know that we are going to have to give an account at the end of our lives of everything that we've done or said or thought about, Mm -hmm. and Jesus will be there with us. And ironically, as we were getting ready for this chapter, I was like, yeah, that's one thing that I'm like I don't feel like I'm going to be comfortable with because I can admit it. Like there are times where I've said things that are harmful to people or I've thought bad thoughts, you know. Yeah. Um, but Paul talks about the fact that we have our life in Christ and that we also can die in Christ. Like we don't just live for ourselves or as the church that should not be our primary motivation anymore. Yeah, like we, our purpose as a church is, you know, living for Jesus. And as you connect with Jesus through prayer, through Bible uh, reading, through going to a church or a small group or something like that, um, as you open yourself up to that, God's going to speak to you and he's going to say, this is how I want you to honor me. You know, and and one of the perfect examples was, I know when I was in college, um, you know, in college, everyone's trying to figure out who they are. And as people build a relationship closer to Jesus, um, they try new things, right? They're like, okay, I'm going to try this. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm not eating, you know, meat anymore on certain days. I've had a lot of people try different things, and some of them become really trendy. Some things become really like everyone you know does the same thing because their friend does it. Or however, and sometimes I really did. I felt left out because I was like, I don't understand why you're doing this. Not saying it's wrong, but I just didn't understand. And I felt like I had to comply simply to fit in. And thankfully, God has really opened my heart to realize, hey, I didn't create you to live like them. Even though they are honoring God, God created me to live, uh, my, you know, to walk my own faith. And by following the scriptures the way God has opened them to me. So you are able to be different within the church setting and still be honored and loved by God. I I had a thought and it, I know it's totally wow. just gone this morning. <laughs> um, everything is just I just ate breakfast so like it'll kick in, I promise. 
so I liked toward the end of the chapter how Paul is saying in verse 19, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. The... And then uh, going back verse 17, he says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Mm -hmm. Now, my verse, um, it says in verse 19, So let us pursue what makes uh, for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Well, and going back to the thought that I had that I lost, I found it again. So we've talked throughout the entirety of the book of Romans that this really is a building block. You learn about the righteousness of God. You learn about his holiness. You learn about how to be made right with God. You learn about accepting Jesus and the forgiveness of his sins and how he works in your life. So now this chapter to me is basically saying, okay, how do we as the church of believers learn to live and get along with one another? Because we've all been saved by Jesus, but now we have to form a community. Well, and I love this because right now, like you were saying earlier, this is so timely because it seems like people we have built um, in our culture, not just the church culture, but just the global culture, the minute somebody does something we disagree with or we don't um, understand or we think is wrong, we have this cancel culture where it's just like, get rid of them. We don't want anything to do with them. And I don't think that's biblical. Um, now... I'm, there are exceptions of, of, of certain things or crimes that could be committed where I would understand why you're like, nope, I'm done. But, you know, I, I really, this, this is so timely for us right now. And I think we need to look at this from also today's standpoint of like, what does this mean? And I think we'll get there in, in a moment. But did you have further thoughts on what you were saying? Well, and I think it is good that Paul clarifies the fact he's not saying we all have to be the same. He realizes that because everyone is different, like the church should not be homogenous. He wants people to believe, to agree on the tenets of the faith, but as far as those smaller differences that make us all unique that Paul wants to preserve and keep in place and like Anthony was saying we're we're in a very divided time during our history right now um, our country in particular is getting ready for a rather historic election this week so there have been people on Get out both there and vote. Yes, vote. <laughs> but there have been people for both sides who have just been like, oh, well, I can't be friends with this person because they support this candidate and I like the other guy. Yeah. Well, and, and how, and let me ask you this. Coming up from the church that you came up from, how do we see this not being followed by the church? How do we see what? This standard of being judgmental. Well, I have been a part of church communities where they did like things to... I have to move it. I'm sorry. It's, it's not going to move. Just continue. We have a little tracker on the bottom of our 
recording, and I like to move it so that the tracker can just kind of keep going. I don't know. Anyway, why. continue. Well, I feel like the church has really had difficulty with accepting um, people who might not look in the same way, who might not live their life in the same way. And um, I know that the church that I grew up in, they became incredibly divided because there was an individual who was there who ended up leaving the church and after that happened a majority of the congregation also left with them is that what you were referring to yeah well and not only that but like even just some of the for lack of a better term i'm going to say feedback that you have gotten throughout your um upbringing well i did go to predominantly either christian or charter schools but especially in my elementary school education. And again, in high school, that was when I was at specifically Christian institutions. And I was never directly told this, but I w it was implied because I am a girl who will become a woman that my job and purpose is going to be to stay home and have children. And it, like, I remember specifically in high school, my teacher, I had a teacher who he like he never came out and said this, but the attitude that he gave in this class was, I don't know why I'm teaching these women if they're just going to be in the kitchen. So yeah. the fact that I did go on to graduate high school, that I got an associate's degree, that I have a bachelor's degree, that I have a career and I'm going to be working on my master's degree, to them is just like, it's almost like I'm being disobedient to my husband because I am not at home meeting his needs. Which is funny because as her husband, I'm looking at it going, if, if these people were to say this to your face and actually be like, oh, you should be at home taking care of the kids and blah, blah, blah. I would look at, I would literally walk to them and go, hey, you know, she's got amazing talents outside of the home that... God wants to use in her community and why would we ever stop you from doing that well and we've talked about it that it is a personal choice within your family because I know there are a wide variety of my friends who are very happy to be stay-at-home moms because that is the decision that they made with for their, their family husbands, yeah so well, for us this is just the way that we've chosen to live and, our lives and and that's not disobedient to me that's not disobedient to god because god gave you these talents right so why would god give talents to people without wanting them used so basically paul is talking about the fact that we need to accept people of all different backgrounds lifestyles the whole nine yards as long as they're going to be believing in jesus we can figure out a way to get along with one well, another. And I, and I take it even to this extent. Let's say um, we have a community of Christians. They're all together. Uh, and like you said, from different backgrounds, from different beliefs to different forms of entertainment. Um, you know, some people like gospel. Some people like country. Some people like hip hop. You can put all that together. Now, if one person in that community is living in sin 
meaning they're doing something that's honestly against God's word, I would even take it to the step, excuse me, take it to the step of if they're doing something wrong, the Holy Spirit will show it to them. And what we do is we come to, uh, next to them and we help them through that struggle. We don't force them to change. We don't force them um, to to change their lifestyle. We all we can do is support them, guide them, and when they need correcting, we guide them through that correction. We don't force it on them. And I think so many times the church has has gotten to the point of they're trying to force change on people. You know, perfect example. Uh, there's a song um, There's a song by Lecrae that came out 2008 2009-ish. It was a little while ago Basically about the same thing where he you know because he grew up kind of in, in a rough neighborhood and, and so he grew up, you know Basically, you know being formed by the gang life um, When he became a Christian it seemed like a lot of people expected him just to change the way he dressed and change the way that he spoke as far as slang and different things like that and change everything about him before God could use him. And he was he understood that's not true. God could use me in the culture that I'm at. And as I grow, I will change. Um, and the song is actually called Beautiful Feet. So if you want to listen to it, go out and look for it. It's on his Rebel album. Uh, like I said, I think it came out in 2008, 2009. Um, it's a great song, but you should definitely listen to that. But yeah, we have this, we've kind of created this culture of if you're not just like me or just like the majority, you don't fit in and you need to change to fit the church. And the truth is that's not what God has ever called us to do or called us to be. Um, as that, as we get closer to God, there are things that are going to change about the way you dress, the way you act, but that's because it's God led. It's not being led by, uh, humans or man. It's led by the Holy Spirit, um, encouraging you to change. Well, and Paul talks about this aspect of your faith, as long as you're doing the things that your faith and like Jesus is guiding you to do, then mm -hmm. that's the right thing to do. Yes. But I don't think God is sitting up there being like, oh, you wore jeans to church. You were a horrible person. But like, you know, 50 plus years ago, women would have never been allowed to wear jeans in church. They couldn't wear jeans really anywhere. Um, but, you know. Well, and, that's... and that's the thing is, I feel like there's so many churches that judge based on appearance that it's like, that's really, that's really unfair. Well, and I know that there are a lot of people who've either grown up in church or have gone to church occasionally who, because of the judgmental attitudes that they've received, have been like, you know what, I'm better off in the world by myself, doing yeah. my own thing. Well, and, and, and I know a lot of people who won't step foot in a church. Like who won't be a part of a Bible study, who won't be in the church because they know that people in the church are judgmental. And like I have a family member who um, no matter how you ask them, they're going to wear short skirts. They're going to wear low cut tops. That's just the way they feel comfortable. 
And so if I was to ask this individual to church and say, hey, come with me, they're not going to be judgmental. Their first thought is, yes, they are, because I know that they've already judged me already. Uh, and that's really sad, right? Or the fact that people can become a Christian, and the moment you become a Christian, it's almost like you're expected to now, quote-unquote, dress modestly or change your entire lifestyle. And it, it, it's not very easy sometimes. So, yeah. Any more on this topic? I mean, this is a heavy topic, but I think the basic story of it is what you had already said. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you are following Jesus, if you are learning from God's word and letting the Holy Spirit guide you through your life, then we as a community of Christians, we should be able to really unite together and build a community where we support each other, we love each other, and we even correct each other with love from the Holy Spirit. Well, and what I liked here is that Paul uses this dichotomy of the weak and the strong, but I don't feel like he pits those two opposing groups together. He just says, hey, like, don't do something that you know could be a stumbling block to someone else. And the example that we thought of would be like alcohol. Like there are people that we know who drink and that's fine, but our choice as a family has been not to do that. I don't feel like that makes us any better or worse than other people. It's just what we've had to do because there's alcoholism in our family trees. Yeah, a lot of people think that I do not drink because I'm a Christian. Truth is, I don't drink because, like she said, there's addiction, especially alcoholism, in my family. I don't want to continue that pattern, so I made a conscious decision to not drink. Uh, Another example that I had of that was I had a friend of mine... um, But, like, we have no objection if we're out with friends, if they want to have a beer or a glass of wine, like, that's fine. And they know that they can do that, and we're okay. All we've ever asked is that, hey, be careful. If you need a ride, let us know. Like, that was always my thing. And like I said, I had a friend who, um, every so often, this friend would actually go out, um, have a few drinks with, you know, with their friends, go out dancing, have a good time, whatever. And my, my advice always was just be careful. That's all it ever was. They tried to flip that and say, oh, you're, you're trying to make me feel bad because I want to go out and have a few drinks and whatever. And that was never my intention. My intention always was just be safe. You know, at this time, they, they were a little older than me. So they, sh- they knew their limits of how much they could drink. But like, don't drive. Um, you know, don't let strangers get you drinks because we don't want, I didn't want them to, to be drugged or anything like that. I just simply was like, hey, be careful. I didn't care if they went out and drank as long as they were safe. And that was always my attitude toward it. But they had the mindset of, I was trying to be judgmental or trying to force them to quit drinking. And that was never my intention. So, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a perfect example. So we have two more chapters of Romans left. We'll cover chapter 15 next week and then 16 the week after that. We just went through our podcast schedule for the month of November. We have some really fun and exciting things. Um, coming up for you, we're going to be talking about Thanksgiving. We're going to be kicking off the Christmas story toward the end of the month. Yeah, and we're going to continue um, with this study of 
Eminem and Nevaeh, right? So we're going to continue that as well. Um, we started that in this episode. We're going to continue with that. Um, anything else that we wanted to mention uh, before we go ahead and close with prayer? Um, it is coming up on our one-year anniversary as a podcast. I'm clapping just to let you know. <laughs> um, yeah, so we have a one-year coming up. What do you guys want us to do for that one year? Like, give us some ideas. Give us some feedback. How have you liked the show? We would love to share some of that on the show. Um, and just, you know, I don't know. We, we, we're going to plan some fun stuff. Alrighty, so I think that brings us to the point in our episode where we will pray and then we will see you, or rather you will hear us next week. Yes, I'm going to go ahead and pray and we'll close it from there. Father God, we thank you um, for the love that you've given us, for that grace that you've given us to be a community of love, to be a community of compassion. Father God, we thank you for your, your wisdom and your strength and, and your discernment through all these different um, scriptures, through all these different chapters that we've gone through. We just pray, God, that as we're getting closer to you uh, and, and pursuing that relationship with you, we would also learn to live in unity with the world around us, uh, with the community around us, and really just show your love to the world. We want to pray for our nation right now as we're, getting, as we're finishing up this time of voting. And we just want to go ahead and leave that in your hands. Whoever is the president um, starting next year, God, we just know that you are king. You are God. You are sovereign. You are in control. And we just want to leave that in your hands, Father God. We thank you for, your, um, for, the, for touching so many people's lives, so many people's hearts at this time. And we just pray that you would continue to do that. Um, so we pray all this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, you guys. We'll be back with you next week. See you guys later. Thank you for listening to the Beautiful Feet Podcast, a partnership of BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Please feel free to follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment. Please visit BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. And do not forget to like, share, and subscribe.